You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're coming to you right across Australia, live from Hobart, Tasmania, each weekday at 9am with today, Gary Webster in the studio with us. Yeah, Jason, good day. How are you, Gary? Good. Yeah, good to have you back in the studio. And uh, of course, if you're listening in Tasmania, you can catch us again at 4.30pm as well. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we're continuing our series, Lifetime Search, with Gary, and last week we had Star Wars, Why So Much Suffering, Part 1. So today we're on to Part 2. But before we get into that, Gary, just on the topic of, of today's uh, discussion and last week's discussion, I'm just wondering if you've had any experiences in your life where you've really struggled or suffered that uh, you've asked that question, God, why did you let this happen? Yeah, good question, Jason. I guess we've all had some. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care who the person is. We all go through difficult points in life. But, yeah, a couple that come to mind uh, for my own journey would be my mum, her eight-year battle with cancer, seeing her struggle with that, you know. Uh, that was uh, that was a difficult moment. She had a great, a great mum and a great lady, and people loved her, and, and yet she had to – she went through suffering, suffering you know. Mm. I think another one was uh, the death of my father, um, I was in Perth at the time, and um, we had spent some time with him on Friday night, and on Sunday, uh, I got a call from my sister saying, hey, uh, Dad's passing away. So I, I, I rushed to, to the hospital, but on the way, we got a flat tyre, fixed it up, and then got another one just a couple of yards. By the time I got to the hospital, he'd passed away, and I thought, why did, why? Why did that happen? Yeah. You, know, you, you, you want to be with your loved ones when, when that happens, but... One day we'll find out. Mm. But yeah, yes, yeah, there, there are many moments. I mean, mine are minor compared to what some people go through. Mm. Yeah. I will uh, remind our listeners our show number for Tassie Encounters is 0488 You can save that in your phone. It's a mobile number that you can text in and you can give us feedback, answer questions, or uh, take advantage of the offer that we will have later in the program. So listen on and we'll give you that offer and the details a bit later. So Gary, we're going to get into today's program, Why So Much Suffering, Part 2. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's take a bit of a review of last week because, you know, this is a very important topic. Mm. Um uh, really we're answering, or one of the questions we're answering that many people have is, okay, so if God is a loving God, why is there so much suffering in our world? And why do bad things happen to good people as well? What's the, what's the deal here? Mm. Well, let's, let's just uh, begin by reviewing, as I said. Remember we began last uh, week in, in, in part one with going to the city of Tyre in Lebanon. Yes. And uh, incredible uh, predictions made and fulfilled and archaeology supports. We realized from that experience that the Bible is historically accurate, a proven track record, and, and most importantly, trustworthy information. Yeah. So the information it shares is reliable, and that was very important to getting into this program. Then we went to Patmos, and we noticed that John sees in the center of his book a great cosmic war between good and evil. Uh, we noted there that God created a perfect being called Lucifer who eventually chose to sin. And what sin was that? Well, we found out it was pride. And so Lucifer became Satan. God didn't make a devil, mm. made a perfect being who by his choices became a devil. And then the Bible says we noted that war broke out in heaven, strangest of place for war to break out, we noticed. And the, the devil or Satan took one third of his angels with him. 
And we also looked at that question, well, why didn't God just zap him and get rid of him so that we wouldn't have all this problem, you know? Mm-hmm. And we talked about the fact that that God wants us to relate to him out of love, not fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, watch out for God, he'll zap you sort of thing. And then, then we noticed in this journey that the Bible takes us to planet Earth where the most recent creation uh, suddenly into that pristine garden steps this, this snake who's a front for this being Satan. And uh, then there was that thing, you know, if what is love? It must give you the, you, know, you must be able to say yes to it and no to it. We talked about that. You must have the freedom of choice, in other words. And so God allowed our human beings to have a choice. They could, you know, say no to him mm. or they could say yes to him. And we talked about the fact that the tree in that garden where we often talk about the apple or the fruit, that was really like a polling booth where they could exercise their freedom of choice and say no to God if they wanted to. Sadly, they said no to God at that point, chose to disobey God, and that's where we noticed that into our world entered things like uh, disharmony and disease and depression and destruction and divorce and death and all the horrible things that we see in our world today. We noted from Jesus that um, the devil lives for two things, deception for destruction. Those are the two things that he lives for. And um, he then blamed God for all this bad stuff we noted. And we talked about insurance policies, you'll remember. Mm. Acts of God, it's in yep. the insurance policy. Yep. And so God is blamed. And so that, that's where we got to basically last week. So let's continue the journey because I think it's important that, 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 that we, we, we get the story that we have of the original Star Wars that the Bible portrays, in, especially in Revelation and other parts as well. So let's continue the journey. The question now we, we left on last week was, okay, so how can a loving God reach a world that believes the devil's lies, that believes that, hey, you know, God doesn't love us and mm. and, 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 and it God. doesn't matter what you, you know, do wrong, it's okay. You can, and ultimately he's trying to uh, prevent us from experiencing the full exactly. you know, fullness of life sort of thing. Exactly, <laughs> All those things. Those lies, yeah. Well, when we go back to the story now in the Garden of Eden, we find Adam and Eve are hiding from God. Evidently God came and spoke to them uh, at some points and uh, they're hiding because they've just done wrong. And God calls to them, Adam and Eve, meaning both of them, where are you? You, you know, I love to be with you, but why? where are you? I can't find you. Well, God, of course, could know where they are, but he wanted them to, 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 to come forth with this. Then when God connects with them and asks them, you know, hey, hey, have you eaten from the tree? Is that, you know, what's going on? And they owned up to it. God made a promise. He, he didn't just give them, you know, say, wow, you've messed up my planet. Notice the promise he gave. It's the first promise of a, of a deliverer. Mm. Uh, it says, and I will put enmity, antagonism between you, Satan, and the woman, meaning her and her offspring, and between you, your seed, her offspring, and, sorry, the, 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 meaning the children who follow the devil, and the seed of the woman, singular there. He, that's the seed of the woman, this chosen person or being, will bruise your head. Now, if you, if you, hit a snake in the head, it's sort of like a mortal blow, isn't it? Mm, <laughs> so, well, I think that's the uh, the plan if you're trying to kill a snake. <laughs> exactly. So he's saying this, this, this promised offspring of the human race through this woman, this promised offspring will actually crush 
the the snake, meaning he will do a deadly blow to the devil. Mm. But in doing it, it says, he, that's the serpent or the snake or Satan ultimately, shall bruise his heel. So he'll be wounded in the act of rescuing human beings. Mm. Well then, <clears throat> pardon me, Jason. We go now back to the book of Revelation, and we pick up the story in Revelation. I want to read a, a few verses. In fact, I'll get you to read them if you don't mind, Jason. Sure. We're looking at Revelation 12, 4, and 5, and I want you to notice what takes place now in this great Star Wars battle um, that's found in Revelation. Okay. It says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was caught up to God and his throne. Now, now what, a, what, a, what, a, what an image there. But really what it is, is, this is the gift of Christmas. This is the Christmas story in a nutshell. And of course... We can wrap up the Christmas story in the most famous verse in the Bible, I think, Jason, and that is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Hmm. And so after 4,000 years of strife on our planet, he arrived 2,000 years ago. He was baptized in the Jordan, but then we read how he fed the hungry, he healed the sick, he touched lepers who were untouchable people. You don't come near those sort of people, but Jesus touched them. He befriended outcasts, people no one wanted to have anything to do with. Jesus became their friend. He comforted the grieving. He cast out the devils, devils from many people, we read. And he raised the dead to life. In other words, uh, he, he came to seek what was lost and to heal what was broken. And the question is, how do we explain all this in the life of this one person called Jesus Christ? Well, there's a famous word in the Bible that sums it up. It's called Emmanuel. Mm. Now, the word Emmanuel means God with us. With us. Mm. And this is exactly what the New Testament says in John chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Let me read it to you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So he was the creator. Mm. And then it says, and the word became flesh, became a human being, and lived among us. In other words, Jason, um, what we're seeing here is God, our creator, became a creature forever. That's amazing, isn't it? Because that's the promise that we find in Isaiah 9, 6. It says, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What a tremendous picture. God gives this one to us for eternity. He becomes a human being. We'll, we'll continue that after the, our next song. This is Don Francisco with Adam. Where are you? In a garden that has never seen the rain. Rulers of a kingdom full of joy, never marred by any pain. The morning all around them seems to celebrate the life they've just begun. And in the majesty of innocence, the king and queen come walking in the sun. 
master of deception now begins with his dissection of the word And with all his craft and subtlety the serpent twists the simple truth they've heard While hanging in the balance is a world that has been placed at their command All their unborn children die as both of them bow down to Satan's hand. Then just before the evening, in the cool of the day, they hear the voice of God as he is walking. But they can't abide his presence now, so they try to hide away. But still they hear the sound as he is calling. Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam, Adam, where are you? Stifling heat of summer now The gardener and his wife are in the field And it seems that thorns and thistles Are the only crops their struggles ever yield He eats his meals in sorrow Till he sinks into the dust whence he came All down through the ages, you can hear his maker calling out his name. Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam, Adam, where are you? Curse has long been broken Adam's sons are still the prisoners of their fears Rushing helter-skelter to destruction With their fingers in their ears While the Father's voice is calling With an urgency I've never heard before Should come in from the darkness now Before it's time to finally close the door Adam Adam Where are you? Adam Adam Where are you? Adam Welcome back to Tassie Encounters. 
on Faith FM. And today we're talking with Gary Webster, and we've just been talking about how God, our Creator, became creature. He yeah. came here. Jason, that song captures the whole thing we're talking about, actually. Yeah. That's a beautiful song. And uh, God's still calling out even down today. Yes. Right, so let's come back to where we were before that song. I, I, I'm just impressed with that song. Um, God, our Creator, became a creature forever. You know, a few years ago, I was running some some meetings in Tonga. It's the time just the, had that they had the the coronation of King George the fifth in the royal kingdom of Tonga, and the whole country was moved by what the king had done. Straight after the coronation, he went to a commoner's home, a little girl who was dying of leukemia. Now he's the king, and you got you got you know these strata there in the kingdom of Tonga, and and she's a commoner, and he goes into the home and visits this you know little girl about eleven or twelve years of age, and everybody was just blown away by that, and it was a wonderful thing that the king did, no question mm-hmm. at all. But when we think of what what God has done, Jesus Christ, he actually became one of us. He just didn't visit us on this planet as God; he became one of us. In other words, God became a commoner. Mm. so to speak and when we think about the acts of Satan you know as we mentioned before disease and destruction and divorce and depression and death and so on contrast that with the acts of God where you see that God took on human flesh and was born in a cow barn I mean, what, what, we, we sanitise the Christmas story, don't we, a little bit, you know? We do. <laughs> with the nice uh, little cloths and, um, and, the, and the manger with the nice clean hay. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but the reality is, this was a, this was a dirty place for a little baby to be in. Mm. I mean, this is cow manure around this place. Mm. And then they put him in a in a manger, which is a feeding trough. Mm. And I mean, this has got animal dribble all, you know, and yeah. what goes, I mean, Unbelievable that this God would become a human being and be born in such a place. And then, of course, he's to become a human being for eternity. Mm. While he's still God, he's also still human for eternity. That's a, that's a, now let me put it this way, Jason. Imagine, imagine we've got a bunch of rats, right? Mm. Running through your house. And, and the rats are going to die out. I mean, they're going to be extinct. And so you realize the only way to save these rats is for you to become a rat. To give up your life with your family and your wife and become a rat. Mm. I mean, in an analogous way, this is what God has done. He said, I will become a human being and give up so much in order to help those who I've created my children. And so, as we said, he healed the sick. He touched lepers. You know, I love the story of where there's a there's a funeral uh, procession going out of the village of Nain and, and the the boy who had died is the only son of his mum and so she's a widower and in those in that culture in those times this is dangerous who's going to support her mm. and then Jesus stops and and touches the 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 coffin and says get up <laughs> I mean imagine that reunion this is the sort of thing that Jesus came to do touching and healing and helping people and raising the dead but you know when Jesus came, he did more than just heal people and you know show what God was like. He actually came to break Satan's possessive grip on our planet. He came to end human suffering. He actually came to give us a forever hope. And you wonder, well, well how did he do all that? Well, this is when God's empire struck back. 
Now, we remember we talked about Star Wars. Star Wars, you <laughs> the remember? Empire the, the Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Now, I know in that it was, the, it was the baddies who struck back, but in this battle, the original Star Wars, it's God's empire that struck back, and it happened when Jesus went to what's famously called the cross. Everybody's familiar there with Jesus dying on the cross. But I want you to read for us, Jason, a very important verse from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. This is in the New Testament. Thanks. If you could read that for us. It says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy or defeat him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. So notice what it's saying there. And that's what it's saying. He actually became, took the same flesh that, Every one of us have human flesh, mm. and and for one reason, to die. Mm. And what for? Because through his death, he would be able to defeat this enemy of all of us. Mm. Now the question then, I guess, that comes is: so how was yeah. the devil defeated at the cross? Mm. I was well, going to ask that question, but <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's a very important question. Yeah, it isn't is. It? Yeah. How did that happen? Well, let's go back to that garden scene with the snake. Remember the double-pronged attack on the character of God that we mm-hmm. talked about last week? The first thing that, the, that Satan was really saying through the snake was, God doesn't love you a lot. Mm. He really doesn't. He's only looking after himself. He just doesn't want you to, take to touch the fruit and eat it because you'll become like him. Yep. So he doesn't really care about you. Second thing, God isn't just. You know, you can break his laws and nothing's going to happen. He said if you eat this fruit, you die. No, you won't die, he said. It's mm. not going to happen. God's not going to do that. So those are the two things that he was attacking in God's character, his love and his justice and his uh, morality, moral laws, I should say, um, that are at the heart. Now, let's talk about the justice of God. So how was the justice of God seen at the cross when Jesus died? Well, if you could read for us Romans chapter 3, verse 25 and 26, Paul says something very significant here. Christ Jesus, whom God set forth by his blood to death, um, to demonstrate at present time his righteousness, that he might be just. Now, you notice what it says here. When God set forth Jesus so that by his death or by his blood, he might demonstrate his justice. So somehow at the cross of Calvary, the justice of God was demonstrated. You see, the Bible says very clearly, and Paul mentions it in his sixth chapter, the wages of sin is death. Wasn't that what God said to Adam and Eve? Mm-hmm. If you eat that fruit, you'll die. Please don't do that. I don't want you to die. Mm. There's a consequence to your choice here. Uh, the wages of sin is death. And the Bible says very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, and many other places, Christ died for our sins. Uh, in fact, it says, he who knew no sin had never sinned, became sin for us by accepting our guilt. And because he accepted our sin, he died, because mm. that's the consequence. So at the cross we see that the devil was wrong. God means what he says. Mm. And he himself, in human form, died. Sin is a big deal. Mm. The devil said it's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal. Now, what about the love of God? We see, yes, okay. Well, the love of God is that Christ took our place. <laughs> he took, you know, our, the, what should have been served to us, he took. So that's obviously showing his love. In fact, that's what the Bible says. If you could read for us Romans 5, 8, I love this particular passage from Paul. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ 
that's God in human flesh, died for us in our place. Now, what an incredible uh, message that is. God not only demonstrated his justice, says Paul, he says he demonstrated his love toward us. Mm. Jason, I don't know, when when we think about what happened at, at the cross, where God in human flesh took your place and took the place of every single person on this planet because everybody has done wrong. He took our place. That is enormous love. What God would there be who would do such a thing to take the place of all of us? And the dimensions of God's love are absolutely incredible, absolutely enormous. And I'd like to talk about that, uh, those dimensions of God's love, especially from the perspective of the cross, after our next song. But before we do take this next song, Jason, um, the book offer today is the same one as last week, Planets Still in Rebellion. I'm sure our listeners will want to get their hands more on this story, this Star Wars battle. And so we'll be we'll we'll, we'll talk about that book later on. We will. And uh, you can note the number 0488880891. That's 0488880891. And we'll give you the code a bit later in the program, so hang in there, and we will share it in our uh, last section. So, uh, How Deep the Father's Love is this next song. This really talks about what we've been talking about here, Gary. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful song. Should I? 
Beautiful song, How Deep the Father's Love, Gary. Yeah, it really got the whole picture of God's love in that song. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we've been talking about this, and uh, I think you mentioned that, that text, uh, or if not, it's uh, it's yes. Ephesians three sixteen to nineteen. Uh, look, it's a mighty text it, mm. because this is bring. We said we'd mention the dimensions of God's love, and 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 they're enormous. Paul says, in as you said, Ephesians three sixteen to nineteen. I pray, he says, that you may grasp. That means you might understand how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know by that he means by experience uh, this this great love. So let's talk about those dimensions for a minute. <clears throat> First of all, pardon me, <clears throat> God's love is enormously high. When we stop and think about this, the love of God reached right up into the very throne room of the universe and God came off his throne, so to speak, because Jesus existed before from eternity and became a human being, came right off and came right down to this planet for us and went further. He died. Mm. That's that's uh, that's an enormous extent of God's love. The how the idea of the the height of God's love. Think about the depth of God's love. Um, think about the word world. When we say John three sixteen, that famous text, Jason, for God so loved the world. What does he mean by world? Well, I guess us as sinners. Yeah, he's not talking about a ball of dirt, is he? <laughs> you know, a planet. He's talking about people. In fact, the word world in in the Bible refers to a specific type of person. It's a person in rebellion against God. Mm. It's a person who, in fact, hates God, mm. who may not even believe in God, who can't stand God. Jesus died for the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Let me let me illustrate the tremendous depths of God's love here when we stop and think about it. Because Paul said, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, mm. not while we were good, yeah. while we were sinners. In fact, he says in, in the same passage, while we were enemies, while we hated him, mm. he gave his son to die for us. Now, this came really to my mind when I was uh, uh, visiting in um, in Europe um, I had just left uh, the UK and crossed by a ferry to uh, Belgium, to Ostend. There's a port there, and right beside the port there's a train station. So I'm waiting there. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm waiting for this uh, train to come along, you know, about four or five hours later. Um, and it was there was a little waiting room, and this is Christmas time. This is freezing cold. Mm. And I could see the blue smoke in this waiting room. No, I'm not going to go in there and, you know, I can't breathe properly with all that smoke. So I stayed outside. But the cold drove me in after. I said, I can't stand this. It's better to die from smoke than to die freezing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming the smoke was coming from people smoking. People smoking yeah, cigarettes, right. yeah. Yeah, you know, this was the before we, yeah. we were told not to smoke in, indoors yeah. and so on. So I went inside and, and I thought, I'm going to try to lie on this bench. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a sort of a thin sort of a guy, certainly even thinner back then, so my bones stuck, stuck out and I wasn't comfortable trying to lie on a wooden bench. So after some time, I thought, I'll start the day. So I have a little pocket Bible and I pulled the pocket Bible and I started to read it. It's by four o'clock by this time. And this couple come along and sit right beside me after a few minutes and this guy says, leans over after a while and says, so you're a Christian? I said, yeah, I am a Christian. Well, I, we used to be a Christian. I said, oh, you used to be a Christian. How come you're one, not one now? What happened? And so he told me the story of what had happened, how he said, well, some Christian people, they did 
the dirty on me, whatever that was. He didn't explain. He said, and so I said, well, if that's what God, you know, if that's the followers of God, what they're like, I'm, I'm out of here. And he, so he gave up the idea of God. See, so he says, and, and I've done stuff that's so bad that God could never forgive me. And he'd never have me back again. So I looked at him and I said, you know, mate, you're dead wrong. And I talked to him about that story of the prodigal son. You know that story. Mm. You know, I'm sure everybody's familiar with that young boy who says to his dad, Dad, I want out of here and I want my money, you're, you're the inheritance, and I want it now, even yeah. before you die. I mean, yeah. what an ungrateful sort of a guy. So he takes off, and we know the story goes, how he spends all his money on wine, women, and song, and you know, if it was our day at Ferraris and a whole bunch of other stuff, he spent it all. And then he gets work in a pig pen. As a Jew, working in a pig pen, that's like a red rag to a bull, you know. Mm. And so there he is in this pig pen. And after a while, he thinks, you know, the servants of my dad, they're better off than I am. I think I'll go home and say, Dad, I, I've done wrong. Uh, just make me a hired servant. So he takes off to home. And on his way home, he sees, uh, the father sees him coming. It sort of indicates that probably the father was looking for this boy mm. <laughs> down the long road to the mm. to the farmhouse. And he, his father runs, which is not oriental custom to do. He mm. runs uh, to his boy and he puts his arms around this boy with all the pig dirt and so on. And uh, I'm glad you're home, boy. And he has a big feast because his son has returned. So I said to that kid, that guy and the girl, I says, no, you're wrong. This is how God will accept you too. As I looked, the tears started to come down both their eyes. Now, these were, these were young people and, you know, uh, so they had a hard exterior, but the tears were coming down their eye and they were so thankful and so happy that they knew now God would have them back. Mm. And that's the, that's, the, that's the depth of God's love. No matter how bad we've been, we can come back to God. While we're still sinners, says Paul, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. That means brought near to God through the death of his son. And then what about the length of God's love? How long is God's love? Well, I think, I think this is illustrated beautifully in, in a friend that I had who's now passed away. This uh, young man, he was young when the story began. He gave up God when he was 17 years of age. And I mean, he lived a real real life. But he was, he was one of these lovable rascals. You know, you meet some people like that, they, mm. man, they're crooks, but they're lovable crooks. And, and this guy, you know, if it wasn't bolted to the floor, he'd steal it. Um, he had more women than you could poke a stick at, about five wives and a whole bunch of other ladies as well. You know, he's really into, into stuff. And his life was just um, out of control. Well, he gets to 70 years of age. And God began to speak to this old guy now, mm. And he said, he could sense God saying, come come back, come home. A bit like Adam, where are you? Mm. And so this guy began to think about his life. But he thought, God could never forgive me for all the stuff that I've done. I've gone too far. He wrestled with that for about five to six years because he approached me during that time, you know. And I tried to encourage him from stories, you know, about the prodigal son and so on, and others did too. But after six years, he finally realized God would accept him. And he, he said, God, I'm coming home. And shortly after, he died. You know, what an amazing thing. Now, this is the long suffering of God, Jason. What's God going to get out of this? An old broken man who's wasted his life, God's not going to get anything out of this, except he's going to have his child back. Mm. 
And you know, I guess God, God doesn't just look at this life, does he? he exactly. Looks at, he looks, looks at what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so this guy, I know, he's going to have eternal life because he turned to Jesus. Well, no, that's the that's the great thing. But that's the length of God's love. Mm. Even when we run from God, He runs after us. What a beautiful picture. Finally, Jason, I guess we ought to talk about the the the, the width of God's love. There are many people who say, "Well, God loves." That bad person, and will accept them, but not me. My mm. stuff's too bad, and I, you know I'm such a bad person. But that's dead wrong. The Bible says in John three sixteen, that most famous text: "For God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life." Now that word says, "Whoever," in the Greek, that word means whoever means all but none, <laughs> every single one of us, mm. not, none excluded. And when we think about about that for a moment, how many how many planets are there out in space, Jason? More than we can count. <laughs> yeah, exactly. More than scientists can count. Exactly. I think. They keep yeah. looking and what do they find? More galaxies. They're yeah. up to millions of galaxies. Forget about how many millions of billions and zillions of planets. And with there's only one lost world in this great Star Wars battle, our world mm. that went astray. In all of that, you know, you know, one among almost infinity becomes a zero, doesn't it, mathematically? Yeah, absolutely. And you would think that God, God might take the perspective, oh, just wipe it out. Yeah, just, you know? just, yeah, get on with it, get on with life. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't. No. And then that's just planets. What about people now? Mm. How many people on our planet today? Roughly seven, seven billion, billion or something, or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, what's one among seven billion? I mean, it's almost a zero. Mm. But Jesus Christ would have died for that one wrong person in all of this vast universe. He still would have gone to the cross. That's, that's really, Jason, the incredible um, width of God's love. It's mm. wide enough to accept everybody, no matter who and what we've, we've done. And it's because of God's justice that we've talked about. He, sin does matter. Look at the cross. Look what happened to Jesus when he took our sin. Mm. God does love us. I mean, he took our place. We should, that should be us. And it's because of those two things that hope is sure. That's why we have a, a rock solid hope. And Jason, um, before we go on to our, our uh, next song, I'd like to talk a little bit more about this planet uh, still in rebellion book. George Vanderman wrote that book some yeah. years ago now. And it's a, it's, it's a classic book on, and, and our member, our, our listeners will get a really great handle on this great Star Wars battle that we've been talking, talking about the last couple of weeks. Let me share a bit more about it. It says, today's events seem to be spiraling out of control as never before. The evening news often presents a picture of a confused world filled with mindless violence. Is there any way to make sense of the bewildering chaos? Today, as never before, we need a sure word. We need the promise of the Bible. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So here's the book, uh, Planet Still in Rebellion. And we're going to give you the code straight after this song. This is a beautiful, quiet song, but it's called God So Loved.
So there's that song, John 3.16, For God So Loved. Yeah, it fits beautifully. Yeah. So today's offer, Planet Still in Rebellion, the code for today is DIG8. That's the word DIG, D-I-G, and the number 8. Just send that in with no spaces, and you can text that to 0488 880891. That's 0488 880891. Dig 8. Gary, we've got just a little bit more to go. Yes. And you've got something else let, to share. Yeah, let me, let me wrap this up with a, an incredible story that comes from the Battle of Gettysburg. By chance, probably in inverted commas, two great armies, Jason, met um, at a little place called, just outside a place called Gettysburg. And a, a humongous fight took place from July 1 to July 3 in 1863 during the American Civil War. Um, fortunately for the Yankees, or the, the Union Army of uh, Abraham Lincoln, they were able to uh, gain the high ground. The high ground, of course, is very important in battle situations in, in those times. And so they, they got on the top of the hill. Uh, the Union Army, uh, sorry, the, 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 what we, they call the rebels, the Southern Army under Robert E. Lee, they sent a number of waves up against uh, General Beaufort and just, you know, a couple of thousand troops, but they couldn't dislodge them. And so they had the high ground, which was very important after the first day. The second day, the uh, army of Robert E. Lee thought, well, we'll, we'll try to attack the flanks the edges of an army because if you can get that take out the edges you can get behind an army mm. so they attacked and one of the flanks was at a little place called little round top and a famous battle took uh, took place there by the way i've i've wandered over the the battlefield of gettysburg it's a huge area but uh, a very significant battle in fact uh, at battle of gettysburg when it had finished and after some time, Abraham Lincoln gave a famous speech that you can, you can actually read there where he's sitting in his big, big marble throne there in, in Washington DC. But anyway, second day, so the, the rebels attack uphill, that little round top. And there was a colonel called Colonel Chamberlain. He was actually a, a, a scholar, but during the war, obviously, you know, taken up a, the, the military thing and, and, and he was commanding a, a group of guys from the area of Maine in uh, the United States and uh, wave after wave came up this hill and they keep beating them back but as the day's getting on there's less and less men defending this most strategic place and they run out of ammunition so they say to Chamberlain his officers, sir we've run out of ammunition what are we going to do? Well, he says, we can't leave this place because if we do, but the whole army will cave in. He says, fix bonnets. Now, no soldier like to hear that. Fix bonnets. This is a charge. It's hand-to-hand fight. He said, no, fix bonnets. Um, they'll be tired. They'll, when they come up the hill, we'll race down the hill. So this is what they did. They charged down when they came up and they drove them off the hill for the rest of the day and they, they, they won that particular fight that day. The third day, Robert E. Lee decided to attack right in the middle of the Union Army smack bang in the middle. I think it was about three hours. They blasted them with 300 cannons. It just went on and on and on. And then finally, when the cannons had f- stopped firing, the soldiers came up, hoping that they'd blasted many Union men from the top, and they came up. But they hadn't. The Union Army brought up their cannons now that they'd stopped, and they just literally cut down um, uh, George Pickett's army of about 10,000 soldiers. It was a terrible slaughter. Anyway, the point of this is that after three days of this bloody fighting, there was 55,000 casualties on the field 
of Gettysburg. There were there were men with no arms, no legs, faces part of their faces blown off. It was just carnage, and there was mounds of moaning, groaning men over this battlefield. Horrific slaughter, and. Um, <clears throat> If we'd been there, Jason, after that fight on the third day, we would have seen something really interesting that took place. We would have seen a man running around with a lantern. Who was this guy? Well, he happened to be the father of one of the soldiers who'd been in this battle. He lived about three hills over and he knew that his boy had been in this fight. So when it died down and the fighting stopped, he decided to go look for his boy. Mm. And so here he is with his little lantern, and it's dark by now, and he runs from one pile of groaning, moaning men, calling out these words, John Hartman, it's your father, where are you? And he runs, spends some time running to each, each where does he hear groaning men. Finally, he hears what he'd hoped he'd hear. Father, he says, John, you know, I'm over here. So he races over, there's his boy, you know, wounded picks him up in his big farmer arms and takes him back home over the hills. You know, when you think of that, Jason, we are in a huge cosmic battle. Many people don't even realise they're in it, mm. but they are. The stakes are, are enormous, eternal life, eternal death. And God is like that father. He's running to those... Wounded, and we're all wounded at some point in this battle. We're all wounded for sure. And he comes to us like he came to Adam. Adam, where are you? I love you. I've come to help you because I'm I'm coming again. Remember, we saw in one of our previous presentations, Jesus Christ is coming again. And the prophecies show that it's going to be soon. So he's running around across the world today, as he's been doing for centuries, Adam, Eve, all the Adams and Eves of the human race, where are you? I love you. I want you to spend eternity with me. What a great story, Jason, that illustrates very clearly this great cosmic battle, the real original Star Wars battle that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. All the other stories get their, their inspiration, as it were, from this. There was once everything was good. Then something tragic happened. This being chose to go his own way and became the devil, and he pulled in the human race with him. But then came somebody to help us. In this case, it's Jesus Christ. And he won a great battle. We talked about that today at the cross. And he's soon to come back to take us home, but he's calling out right down through the ages and today, Adam, where are you? I love you. I care about all of you, men, women, children, no matter what our gender is, he died for each one of us beautiful story that is the original Star Wars battle mm. and there is an end uh, in, in, uh, uh, in yes, this there story is. that there's a uh, there's a happily ever after I guess there is and we're <laughs> going to come more to that down in the future talk yes. about some of the how it actually wraps it up but mm. that's the big the heart of the battle yeah okay I'll just remind our listeners we have the, our offer for today if you haven't grabbed that already the code word is dig eight and you can send that in to 0488-880-891. The word DIG and the number 8, no spaces. Just text that in to our show number, 0488 
891. Gary, what have you got for us next week on your ah, program? Look, I'm looking forward to next week as well. The Treasures of Tutankhamun, Journey to Eternity. Uh, we're going to have talk about the treasures of Tutankhamun found there in the Valley of the Kings, but we'll also be visiting a place called Petra, city carved out of rock in Jordan, and we'll even visit the Mayan, Inca, and, and uh, Aztec civilizations in our talk about the journey to eternity. So that'll be next week. Sounds good. And, of course, tomorrow we've got Raiko Celik on his series 3MJ, the final week of Jesus' ministry. And his topic for tomorrow is characteristics of false leaders. I do hope that you can join us tomorrow with Raiko Celik. And, uh, Gary, uh, we'll look forward to having you back in the studio next Tuesday. Look forward to it, Jason. Let's go out with this. Wondrous Love by Jaden Lavick. What a wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What a wondrous love is this, oh my soul. What a wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. To bear the dreadful curse for my soul What a wondrous love What a wondrous love What a wondrous love To God and